1: Hello and welcome to the World Wonders Podcast. I'm Ryan.
0: I'm Amanda and we're your hosts.
1: And today we have another special episode for you.
0: Yeah, we're talking to Hunter Stanford. Hey. For those of you who have followed the podcast since its early days, birth you could say, uh, we talked to him or Ryan other talked to him in episode 51.
1: Yeah, this past May.
0: Yeah, and... When Ryan talked to Hunter the first time, Hunter was down living in Bogota, Colombia. He just spent a month in Mexico. Um, he was at the very start of. No, not the very start?
1: No, because he traveled for 15 months. So May was like basically a halfway, more than halfway through his trip already.
0: Oh, okay. My bad.
1: 15 months. Wait, no, halfway, about halfway through his trip.
0: Okay. So he'd gone from Mexico and through Central America where he'd met a friend of ours from university, which is how we got connected with him and then made it into Colombia. I think that's the time frame of it. Um, he's super interesting. He's pretty hilarious. He's got a lot of really great stories. So Ryan interviewed him back in May and we thought, you know, he's back in Tampa, Florida now back in the States after having traveled for 15 months. So why not catch up again and catch up on where he's been and what he's been up to and all of that.
1: And it was a really fun episode. We talked about, um, a lot of things he had flown down to Chile to meet a friend. And then they spent three months living in a van driving from Chile into Bolivia and dealing with all sorts of hassles and, Um, breakdowns and interesting other things. Um, What else did we talk about?
0: Um, Kind of all the stories revolved around sort of living out of a van in South America and living out of an old van. Um, And
1: then just what it's like to be traveling for 15 months, which is a really long period of time and how it does kind of get routine and maybe a bit old at times and the grass is always greener. So you maybe start to want to go home, which is a nice place to get to.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then we kind of touch base with him with where he's at now in the United States and how he's feeling being back and some of the things that he learned while he was away for 15 months.
1: Yeah, but we'll stop droning on and get you right to the episode. And any links that we mention in the episode will be on the show notes on theworldwanderers.com as well as some photos of hunters, the van he was using and other things from his trip. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode
0: yeah so hunter just jumps right in uh, catching us up on everywhere that he's been since uh, Ryan's podcast episode with him in Bogota so here it is
2: okay when we would have talked like in April
1: uh, May you were in Bogota
2: okay so let me think (laughs) Within the next month, I would have left Bogota, and I had uh, a volunteering gig in Otivalo, which is two hours north of Quito. They needed help with translating at their hotel. None of the staff spoke English, and none of the guests spoke Spanish. And I found that through a site called HelpX, which I might have mentioned in our first interview. It's like a site that hooks up people that want to volunteer for like a cultural experience or for free food, to be more b- blunt about it, and free accommodations, and then... um So I did that in Canada a couple years ago on Vancouver Island. I've done it in Montana and Colorado and in Florida and in New York State. So it just kind of hooks people up like they want help on their farms or they want help with their babies. And they're just like, hey, you can crash in the other room and you can have dinner with us. And it it works out for both people. So I did that for two months in Otivalo and it was really rural. It was kind of a difficult experience because the internet – would we'll go out at night, and there'd be nobody there, and it'd be really rural. So I don't know. It, would, it was the only time in a long time I'd been like really out on my own, like can't talk to anybody. So I did like a lot of the same hikes at night. I read a lot. I reread books. I don't know. It was, uh, it was fun. But it was difficult at night when there weren't guests there because all the hotel workers would leave. And So that was kind of a challenging experience for me to – I don't know because usually at night you can like – Watch a movie if you want, or call your friends or you know, do whatever normal people do, but I couldn't do any of that. So that was difficult for me at first. And then and then I met up with a friend. I went way south to Santiago, Chile in a couple of like miserable bus rides and a plane to meet up with a friend that had a van. This friend I met with Fife last year. His name's Ian, he's a Canadian too, he's from uh He's from Burns Lake. Do you guys know where that is? It's like north... Burns Lake. North yeah. BC. Never heard of it. It's that. over next to Prince Rupert. Oh, okay. No, wait. That's the place in BC, right? Prince, yeah.
1: Prince Rupert and Prince George are both.
2: Existing places? Yeah. Anyway, so he uh, he's from there. I mean, We didn't need to get off on that tangent. So I traveled south really, really quickly. Like, the whole length of South America. And he picked me up at Santiago. And then... Um, and then, um, and then I was with him almost until the end of my trip. And the van experience was also kind of rough because you're like married to that person. We like were with each other all the time. I mean, it's a really nice metaphor for if I someday get married because you know we sleep in an area that's like much. This is a queen size bed that I'm on, but it's probably it's probably like thirty percent smaller than this. It's barely big enough for both of us. So there's maybe like this much space in between our bodies, and. Like, and we slept in it every single night. I was there for three months with him, wow. and it's a really cool van. I have a I have a couple whole blog posts about it. It's a Mitsubishi Delica, which they don't make in the United States um, or in Canada, but some Germans had imported it somehow. That's a longer story. But it had four wheel drive. It had a kitchen out of the back. It has solar panels and extra batteries and uh, lots of lights at night. So it was really a cool, kind of all in one. Like you could do everything out of it, and we did. So it was kind of nice. So all year traveling, I would have to go find a hostel and blah, blah, blah. But with the van, we could just kind of pull down a side road, hop over these rocks because it had four-wheel drive. And (laughs) uh, yeah, just sleep wherever we wanted to. And sometimes, maybe like 10 different times, somebody would wake us up, cops usually, and just ask us to move. Like sometimes we'd just go off on the side of the highway and then in the morning you can be seen. And they're like (laughs) – especially in Chile, they're very – I think Chile is the most like the United States of any of those Latin American countries in the sense that they're like super rule abiding and their cops just don't mess around, which maybe you guys have seen since your time in the United States. Maybe it's different than Canadian cops, like not taking any shit. But um, my my mom didn't like that curse word. Um (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, so, but, so yeah, we just drove around. So we went from Chile, we went to Iquitos, which is the top of Chile, and they have a tax free zone there. So I think he bought like, some new tires. It's like a whole area of the city. It's really cool. It's like its own, almost looks like a military base, minus the military stuff in the sense that it's uh, everything's there. And people, sometimes people live there and don't ever leave because they like the, the tax haven. And there's cars you can buy tax free, and you can keep them tax free as long as you never leave the area. Mm, So it's it's a pretty – go ahead.
1: It's like an area of a city or –
2: Yeah, it's it's like an area to the north of Iquitos. So I think those people can stay in Iquitos. They can leave the tax-free zone with their tax-free car, but they can't leave the city. So sometimes people just get like a minivan for their kids and maybe they'll have like another car they travel out of town for or maybe they just never leave. But I know that's a loophole that people do because, I mean, if you buy a car for forty grand, you could be looking at several grand worth of taxes. So – if you do it right, it's a nice loophole. But yeah, it's an area of the city. There's another one in the south of Chile. And uh, and I guess it kind of also reminds me of a military base because at least in the United States, if you get on – military bases are tax-free as well. It's like anything you buy at a military base, if you can manage to get on, if you have a friend, uh, it's tax-free.
0: And so, so how, many, how many people lived in that city that you guys were staying in? Did you say it was – Which one? Iquitos?
2: Iquitos maybe – Maybe half half the size of Atlanta, thirty percent. So it's maybe three, two million people, one a million wow. people. Maybe it's a pretty big city. It's, yeah, I would say it's like the third. Like Santiago is obviously your biggest. Antofagasta is another big city. Um, yeah, so we made our way up, and then and then we encountered a lot of problems. So we broke down in San Pedro de Atacama, which is like right below Bolivia. And it's what people use to go into Bolivia, go into the salt flats, and then end up in a uni. It's like a big uh, tourist traffic going through there because everyone wants to see the salt flats. So like we we were going to leave, and there's a really big hill. Bolivia is much higher than Chile. And we would – three separate times, we got stamped out of the country. We broke down on the way up the hill, and it's super rural. So you had to come back. So we'd come back into the country two hours later super embarrassing and we get stamped back into the country and then we would try and fix the van for the next week we got stuck there for like three it was kind of miserable because it's just kind of a dumpy little touristy town after like a day you go
0: yeah we've been there it's like not really worth it after like two days you're like okay get me out of this place
2: yeah okay so cool you've been there yeah i mean it's a cool place for a day but so imagine three weeks where you think you're gonna leave like the next day every day you know
0: (laughs) and the wi-fi sucks there too i was so disappointed.
2: yeah, the, the Wi-Fi really sucks in Bolivia. Oh, that whole country has problems with that. Um, Ian, my friend, had was really savvy. Lucky enough, he's even more addicted to the Internet than I am, so we were always connected without problems. But he would get a SIM card on his phone and just connect it with uh, – because we found out that the Wi-Fi signals at restaurants were kind of sketchy, but the signals with people's phones. And then he could project a network within the van you know, like a, like a router would do, that and we would surf cool. the Internet we would surf the internet that way. So that worked out better than like going to restaurants. Cause yeah, we'll go out from like one to 5 PM and you're like sitting like your food's good, but I'm really here to use the internet, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: So what were some of the things that were happening with the van?
2: Oh, I'm not very car savvy. So I, the first big thing that happened is I had a pothole and there's like these, like, let me sit up. I can explain it. So you have the tire here. This is the tire. And there's like these two arms that go into it. They're called, Brake, lever, let's just call them arms. And I hit a pothole and the bottom arm broke. And it makes the wheel lean inwards. But mm. what really makes well, – that's bad. But what really makes it bad is, is it uh, severs the brake cable. And I didn't really know anything about brakes, which is freno in espanol. I learned that quickly because we had to talk about brakes all the time. But like the brake cable is a pressurized liquid that goes through the car. So, when the whole thing breaks, it loses pressure and you lose all of the brakes at once. Hmm. So, we were like on the side of the highway and like hit this pothole, and the whole van leans forward and the brakes start working. Lucky enough, we were kind of like going up a hill instead of down one, and we kind of pulled off the side of the road. But that was outside of Iquitos, and we got towed in, and the guys totally ripped us off. What are you going to do? And then the next day, it broke down again, and they had like put on a cable wire that was too long and it had like ground up against the tire. We got really ripped off by these guys. We told some people the prices later. But this wasn't Iquitos. This was in between. And then after the Iquitos trip, we were in San Pedro Atacama and had all those problems. So really, I don't have a good, I don't have a good view of Chile, but it's not Chile's problem. I just like, had lots of problems with the van there and like don't ever want to go back because we just got stuck in a lot of towns and had a lot of van problems. So I, I really thought the van was going to be the best part of the trip, but in some ways it might have been the worst part of the trip.
0: So you guys bought the van?
2: Lots... Oh, hell no. I didn't I didn't do anything. That seems like <laughs> such a nightmare. No, my friend, uh, Ian, he's the a BCer like you guys. Wait, are you guys from BC or, or, I'm or from Alberta? BC. I'm from Alberta. Oh, um, okay, okay. He's Canadian like you guys. He bought it in <laughs> Uruguay. From, so some Germans had bought it in BC and had driven it down like two years ago and they like tricked it out or however you want to – because it was way different. It like looked like it was from the past and the future at the same time somehow <laughs> <laughs> because it's a really old van but it was like raised up and the tire wells were cut. It had really big um, – I'll send I'll – send, Ryan, I'll send you some yeah, pictures. I'll it
1: looks sure really – pictures on the show notes.
2: Really strange. It's got – it's just really tough looking. It looks like a big – like armored caterpillar or something.
1: But it's kind of um, pretty like compact at the same time from the photos. Yeah. And
2: you, could this, yeah, you, you, you can tell this. Yeah. You can tell there's like lots going on in there. Like I said, like somehow from the future, but also from the past at the same time, it it was cool. What, what was my strain of thought there before I jumped off on that?
1: He was from Canada.
0: Oh, I, I also tried to you if thought. you bought it. Yeah,
1: how the, the story of the van.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. So the Germans brought it down. And so Ian really liked it because it was titled from BC. So we could, he could drive it back home and sell it, which is what he was looking for. He was looking for a van that he could sell back home. And so he got it. So some Germans drove it down, sold it to some Swiss. And the Swiss sold it to Ian in Uruguay, like last May maybe. And then he drove with another friend of ours. And then when that friend left, I came down. So no, no, no. And really, like, we even had some, like, not fights, but, like, I don't know. When I came, all of a sudden I was paying for lots of stuff. And I don't mind, like, oil changes or, like, when I hit that pothole and that brake line went out. Of course, we would pay for half of that. But then there was, like, some big internal stuff. And we had to have a conversation. And I had to kind of be a little blunt about it because, you know, he sells the van later and it's got, like, a new head gasket. The head gasket burst, which is something that has to do with something else that has to do with something else. We don't have to get into that. I don't know, really know what a head gasket is, but it's a really big deal. And that, we had to wait like 10 days while they ordered a part. But my point was at the end, I was like, hey, man, I don't really feel like I should have to pay for this because, I don't know, when he sells the car, I'm not going to get uh, a, a cut of it. Or So, no, I didn't buy the van and I would never buy the van. It's just like so many problems were going on. It seems super, super stressful. So, so you, like
0: had that experience, would you recommend like other travelers to engage in that or to just take buses?
2: Oh no! Totally do it so you know that you never need to do it again. I I, I likened it to like going to my senior prom. I kind of like knew what I was getting myself into, and I knew it was going to be like. Uh, but you should do it once, you know, because when else am I going to get to get in a van with somebody?
1: And going, but you to have to make sure prom that you- multiple times would be kind of awkward as well, too. <laughs> We're
2: just going to just looking back, like yeah, that would be awkward. But what I meant is like I don't need to go to multiple school dances. I didn't at least that like. You know, one was enough. It was kind of like, oh, but it was kind of fun. Anyway, maybe that was a lame metaphor. But, yeah, people should do it. But people should also make sure that they get along with that person because Ian and I are, like, super chill. Chill to, like, ten and a half or out of out of ten. But we still eventually got on each other's nerves. So if you, like, kind of don't like somebody, it's not. You're going to – someone's going to murder the other person, like, without question. So yeah, and it was like, just hard.
1: Do you, um, talking about, like, the financial stuff in advance when you are kind of, like, sharing this – Asset, like making sure that you're on the same page about if something does go wrong and how.
2: Yeah, and where that line's going to be drawn. You know, like if I do something to the van, I'm going to pay for it. But these like big internal problems that have been building up for a long time, I don't know, and they're just expensive, and I don't really feel financially responsible. So that kind of came up suddenly, and was like, "Wait, you're not?" And I was like, "No, I'm not. Sorry." And so I don't know. We both. Especially him, but he'll probably say the same thing about me. We both probably could have been better about just, like, saying stuff. It's really easy. We'd be like, I'm sitting here, he's sitting there while we're driving, and we're just, like, letting letting it boil, you know, instead of just talking about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So So is
1: he still down in South America driving around?
2: Well, so after I left, that initial friend that was with him went back, and then I saw that friend in Chicago last week, and he told me that Ian, I still need to reach out to Ian. I'll finish that story in a second, but we left on kind of, like, Kind of a bad note. I need to reach out to him and like clear that air. But no, he, so I haven't talked to Ian since I left uh, a month ago. But he told me that he's now going to sell it, which I'm disappointed because he was going to take it all the way back to Canada from Uruguay. And that's like a really cool adventure. I think he's just kind of over it. Like I said, like every time something goes wrong, it, like takes a little bit out of you. And, of course, you're, you're dealing with all this in a different country. You're likely getting ripped off. Uh, so, no, I heard he's going to sell it. And I heard he actually already got a deposit for it and he's driving back down to Patagonia and he's going to sell it to somebody there.
0: Oh, okay. And so how far yeah. north did you guys get together in it?
2: We got to Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Bolivia together. Maybe that wasn't the most northern part though. That's the biggest city on the east side of the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so then I you had to drive about-
0: through the salt flats.
2: Yeah, we did. That was the coolest part. So we didn't have to like take any tours and yeah, that's that's a really cool blog post that I have. That like Ian's on the back of the van, like riding it as we like shoot across these salt flats. And it's cool you could bring it, you could, you could bring it all the way up to like maximum maximum speed, and then just like take your hand off the steering wheel and it starts to drift left, and then it drifts right because there's just nothing out there. I mean, have, have you guys have been? I'm sure because you've been to yeah. San Pedro.
1: So we did that t- um, one of the tours that left from San Pedro and then goes to Uyuni in Bolivia.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we did the exact same thing just in the van and not, uh, we met a lot of tour companies. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to ask, like you said, you broke down a couple times on the way up to the Bolivian border. What did it feel like? Like when the time you actually made it, did you think you were going to break down and then you didn't and you got to the border and you're like, holy shit, we actually made it up this hill.
2: Well, so we had broken down the night before and we came back I was like – in my head, I was like, I got to go. Like, I've stayed long enough. I can't – my trip is only so long. And so I told him, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go look at some Salt Flat tours just to like see what's up. And maybe we can meet in a union like a week because, I mean, at one point, I just got to – I kind of felt bad about that. But, I mean, I hung out a while. And then I went and looked at some tours. We went to another town and got some – uh some more coolant. We didn't have good enough coolant. The head gasket holds the coolant. I don't know if you guys know anything about cars. Coolant, like, keeps the air, temp- keeps the temperature of the engine low. It lowers the freezing point and raises the boiling point. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't need to make sense. But um, <laughs> that kept, it kept leaking. And, like, so we went to a town and got some really good coolant. And he's like, let's try it one more time in the morning. And I, like, was so sure we weren't going to make it. I was like, "All right, let's just let Ian try this." And when we break down again, which we'll do in my head, because my attitude was, you know, shit. And um, but that's the time we made it. So uh, I, when we were like finally going there, I didn't even think we were going to do it. I kept thinking we were going to break down any second. And have to turn around just like the previous three times. So I was really just waiting for that. And then when we got back for the fourth time, I was like, "Sorry, man, I got to go." But then we made it, so it was kind of. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of surprised the whole time it was happening. Like when we were getting checked into Bolivia, I was like, wow, we actually – we're actually here. I didn't I didn't see that coming because we – I don't know. We just think that we didn't, the van didn't have it in it to go up that high. We, Ian had never taken it that high before because you guys remember like that climb you make outside of, oh, San, yeah. it's outside of San Pedro. You're climbing for like two hours, you know, and it immediately goes, you know, 20, 20 degrees cooler, 30 degrees cooler. So
0: Yeah, it's freezing a it's lot. Bolivian border.
2: Uh-huh. So it's a lot on a van, but I don't know. We finally made it up there, and we uh, chilled out in those lakes for a couple of days. Really, we were just cold the whole time. I think we weren't ready. I didn't have a, a big jacket. We weren't jacket. ready either,
0: so you're not alone.
2: <laughs> it was like a wasteland. But I would think like the tour would help you guys out. Like, maybe give you like a jacket or extra, or no? Were you just no, miserable?
1: No, the tours are really uh, they're
2: pretty shifty
1: mean. and like kind of sketchy for the most part. Because they take you, you buy with like a tour company in Chile, but then they can't actually, the tour companies from Bolivia don't operate in Chile and the tour companies don't go the other way. So you go, like we booked a tour and then they pick us up, go to the border and then we're on with like some other company and they're like... (laughs) Like they just drop you
0: with a Bolivian company and then like we got fed like rice and hot dogs and...
1: Which is, like, I mean, you're in... The- like,
0: it's, like, crap food, and it's, like... I slept in, like, leggings and, like, track pants and two sweaters because it was so cold where we were staying.
1: But you can't you can't expect much, but you just don't, like, you have no idea what you're going to get because they, like, promise you stuff, and then they'll just... If there's not enough people for that company, they'll just sell you to another company, and they won't tell you about it, and then...
2: what? Yeah, I spent, like, an afternoon... I spent an afternoon, like, talking to tour companies, and they all i like yeah, just big promises. I'm glad I didn't have to do that, and we could do it in the van because, yeah, just like you didn't know what you were going to get, and sometimes you just can't go to things or yeah, hot dogs and rice.
1: How did you organize? Like, oh, you just slept in the van. Did you like stay at just kind of in the middle of nowhere out in the salt flats?
2: Well, we would have, but no, because it gets really windy. So you want to find some of those some of those uh, vegetation islands. Maybe those like. Kind of, they were called islands. They were like, just like mountains of like uh cacti and green. They were like the only features of the salt flat. Mm-hmm. So we'd find out which way the wind was coming from and we'd park on the other side of one of those. Okay. So how even we could have, go how ahead. How did you guys
0: navigate through the salt flats? Like I remember when we were going through, I saw people on bikes, like, like pedal bikes. And I was like, these people are crazy. Like we're kind of in the middle of desert right here. Like there's no signs. There's no nothing.
2: Yeah. But what everybody probably has, what they have and what we had is you have like, Uh, GPS points of a lot of things, like different exits. You have GPS points of those islands we were looking for. And so we have, on his phone, we have a GPS, and we just entered those points. And it's not tower-based like a cell phone call is. It's satellite based, which means that the coverage is infinite, you know, like a satellite. A GPS can work all over the world, whereas a cell phone only works in, you know, because it's tower-based and not satellite-based. So, yeah, we just found... Yeah, we found blog posts that have GPS points of like that hotel, de Sol and Sal uh, that had that was kind of cool to see in some of the mountains. And it's yeah, it's like a long number. They're in like minutes and seconds. It's like two dashes and two dashes and one dash. It's like a, a geography or an orientation kind of thing. It's like twenty minutes, sixteen seconds. It's like a, a way to pinpoint a point on the earth. So yeah, we had like a massive list of GPS points for the whole trip, and we would just like. Uh, we know if we just kind of wanted to head in a direction, we'd put that in. But that's how we got around the salt flats is with uh, GPS points.
0: Oh, that's really cool. So you had no problems navigating the salt flats then?
2: No, 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 we didn't. But uh, really, even without that, you, you can see because it's not that big. It's not like the Sahara Desert where it's like 20 miles in every direction. And you could, although I've heard people die out there of like exposure, but really, if you just start driving in one direction, you're going to hit something. I mean, it's probably the size of. Like like Atlanta, you know, like our Atlanta metropolitan, like the Atlanta proper. Uh, so anyway, you could see like little ants of cars going across the horizon and you could go follow them. Those tours often follow the same routes so you could find – and they like crack the salt and make a little road. So I think it would be difficult to get lost and get in trouble. Even if you were on foot, you could just start walking. Like you could probably walk across the whole thing in 24 hours if you had to. So I don't know. It's not, yeah, it's not like the Sahara or something like that where mm-hmm. you know, you could get lost and wander for days and, and they'd find your body like a year later or something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys nervous like driving up that third time and you actually get to the Bolivian border? Was there any part of you that's like, oh, I feel kind of sketchy like driving this across towards the salt flats? Because like, San Pedro to uni mm-hmm. is a decent drive.
2: Yeah, we were worried about that, and my family was worried about that, too. But remember, it was the fourth time, not the third time.
0: Oh, sorry, fourth time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish it had been the third time. Yeah, we were a little sketched out, but like I said, lots of tours go through there. So we just thought if something happened, we would just flag somebody down. But you know, it did happen. Right as we crossed the believing border and morale is finally high, for some reason, the back latch stops opening. And it's kind of like a flaw in the van because it cuts off your water supply. We had like an electric water pump in the car. So we would get like dirty river water and you could send it to the water pump and it would come out clean. It was – so we had that back there. We had the refrigerator back there. We had all of our cooking equipment back there. We had the stove back there and all these big drawers with the food. So that's why I said it's a design flaw. So if that doesn't open, all that stuff gets cut off. And so it was like we were an hour into like finally feeling good and then all of our food's cut off for like – Five days we didn't figure it out, so we had to stop. There's like some stores in the salt flat. You guys recall, and some mm-hmm. kind of overpriced restaurants. Well, really, this is more also. Keep in mind because we goofed off in those three lakes for a couple days. There's like the Lago Colorado, mm-hmm. which is like the, the the red algae lake. So anyway, that that kind of sucked about the whole part because we just had to buy like m&ms or like rice and hot dogs and we did stuff like that because these aren't like true grocery stores so i was kind of I forgot about that until now the back hatch and we finally fixed it when we got to a uni a couple days later and it was funny at the end i guess <laughs> um but yeah so it was just like like for one hour like things were looking good again finally and then uh and that back hatch just stopped opening but, uh, yeah, we were a little bit nervous. But we knew, like I said, it's not really, really, really isolated. So if it just broke down again, we just flag somebody down, get a ride into town, and, and go from there. But And once you make that climb, there's not a lot of – you're already like up on the basin. So yeah. once you're already up in that climb, there's not really a lot of climbing, a lot more climbing to be done, I think. But
1: so then after you we were worried. to uni, where else did you – Uh, drive around in bolivia
2: okay so we got to a uni and then we went so we went to sucre and at a a kind of a last minute decision we decided to stay there for a week and take spanish classes i think we both wanted to kind of break up the rhythm of the van and just like sleep in some separate locations so we got a hostel we got one bed at a hostel for a week and alternated every night because the van's still not bad it's just privacy that's finally nice to have you know Mm -hmm. um so sleeping. So we like one night I'd have the van on myself and the next night, and I like Sucre. that was a week of Spanish lessons and then after that was when our little drama problem occurred i I had like two weeks left until I had a flight to mexico that's what's where I started my trip, and that's where I wanted to end my trip, which I did, and it was fun and I was like, "Hey, man, I want to see like Titicaca, and I want to go to the Amazon in the next two weeks and Ian is really into going super super slow, like fifty kilometers a day so this would this would cause him to like kind of hoof it some days. He's like, okay, buy your ticket to Mexico City. I'll take you to Lake Titicaca, then to the Amazon, and then around the other side of the country to Santa Cruz, because we were already in Santa Cruz and we were gonna go in a circle. But then like day one into this, he just like I don't want to do this anymore. I'm kinda and he kinda pulled out of that and I already had my ticket. So I took another ticket over to La Paz by myself, and that's when we parted ways. And we kind of did it all in like one night. He was like, I don't wanna take you there, I don't wanna rush. He kinda a little bit went back on his word, whatever and then right then I bought a ticket to La Paz and then I went to Lake Titicaca. I actually never made it to the Amazon. It was a big storm that kind of sucked. And then yeah, and then I went to Mexico by myself. So I was kind of hoping we could spend those last two weeks together, you know, kind of kind of driving around the Amazon together, but he didn't want to go that soon. So, you know, I just I just did my own thing and bought my own ticket, which I guess now that I tell that story doesn't sound like too much of a huff. But we haven't talked since I left. So, we were kind of like I don't know, just just at, at each other's at the end of each other's limit. I think when uh, when the van vibe ended between us, so it was a good. It was I think it was two and a half months. And that was a really good amount of time for how our friendships jived.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a long time to be in that small space with another person. Like we rented a van in Australia and drove it for like six weeks, and sometimes we would just stop at hostels and we could pay to park our van there, but then we could like use the facilities of the hostel, which was mm-hmm. super nice because we're like okay we've seen each other for like how many hours now like we don't really have that much more to talk about
2: (laughs) yeah and then like the showering is nice I almost never showered which is kind (laughs) of gross so yeah and the van was super super filthy that was something else I had kind of a hard time with it was impossible to clean it was like a small space and would get cluttered like that like you'd clean it and you'd look over here and you'd look back and it'd be like cluttered again within 10 seconds so and we never found places to really shower I guess we could have gone to hostels more so I think I took four showers in two months. Wow. Wow!
0: Did you have like body <laughs> yeah. wipes or something?
2: No, I bet you want me to say yes to make it less gross. But I don't know. You just like get into the vibe of the van. Everything's <laughs> dirty. You're dirty. You don't even really notice anymore. So no, there were no body wipes. There was just a uh, waking up. Yeah. P- people think it's kind of gross. I can see the look on your face right now. <laughs> but it's really you like, you like, get, it's like the, it's like the energy and you get into it and everything's dirty and. I don't know, maybe it's more of a boy thing than a girl thing.
1: Yeah, especially I can, I can see that in Bolivia too, like so northern Chile and Bolivia, it's so cold and like I don't think I even thought about showering when we were on our little Yeah. salt flat yeah.
2: thing. Yeah, I mean that is nice that we weren't getting like we really sweaty all the time. I mean, I'm sure we still didn't smell like the greatest, but it, yeah, if you're not like getting really sweaty every day, that kind of helps, I guess. But yeah, it was we were lucky cuz it was winter down there. 'Cause you know it's the uh the uh okay. the hemispheres, the yeah. the seasons are swapped.
1: Did you guys have so, any issues with police while you were driving around?
2: Just uh like I said, if we were sleeping somewhere we weren't supposed to, they would uh you know ask us to move, but they didn't really seem to care. We'd go through checkpoints, they'd look at our stuff and that'd be that and really organized about like what he's supposed to have. I mean it'd be <laughs> stupid not to be because they're gonna they ask you for your paperwork a lot, so you get caught right away like if you didn't have your insurance and it wasn't titled. And if you just didn't jump through the necessary hoops. So, no, the only problems with cops we had was when we were sleeping where we weren't supposed to. But they were always nice. Just like, you guys got to move. It was never, uh, never like they wanted to look in it or anything like that. I think a lot of people do the van thing. So, it's just like two more white dudes in a the van. And <laughs> they don't really care. So, so, no, I mean the Chilean police, like I was saying, were noticeably – more legitimate than the rest of Latin American police who are kind of just like can be bribed and blah blah blah. Yeah. But the Chilean police, the carabineros or something like that, are really uh, pretty yeah. serious. But no, everybody was nice. There weren't really a lot of besides getting woken up when we were sleeping in areas we weren't supposed to. I can't even remember ever talking to any police officers except to ask like like where do we need to go for this and that.
0: Mhm. And did you guys have problems like navigating through Chile like where to go was there any issues driving
2: I think the only issues were like where are we going to decide to go because neither of us are big plan makers especially me I hate making plans and I was like let's go in the van we'll drive wherever we want that'll be fun but then it got to be like where are we going to go right now so sometimes we would just pick a city you know 300 miles away and start making our way there now, Ian had a smartphone the whole time, which ugh, I'm kind of anti-technology. I still have a dumb phone, actually, and I don't really like smartphones. So I was always trying to get him to put it away. And, like, then you don't talk to people. Like, you know, let's just go let's just go ask these people where we should go. He's like, no, man, I, I got my phone. I am not know where I'm going. So he's real savvy that way. So, no, I don't think – we got lost a couple of times. But um, with his smartphone, it kind of just, you know, here's point A where you are, and here's point B where you want to go. And Chile has great highways, so – um No, I mean, there was just problems deciding where we wanted to go. Once we decided, no, we didn't have any problems finding anything. That's awesome.
1: And then so you flew back up to Mexico. And how much longer were you in Mexico before going back to the States?
2: A month, which was um, maybe a little too much time for a city that I had started my trip in and spent six weeks in. So I hung out with a lot of my same friends and couch surfed a lot. But I kind of had already done everything. I maybe should have gone to a different city in Mexico for the whole time. I just wanted to see how Mexico City would have looked with like a more bilingual and worldly outlook because I'd started my trip 15, 16, I don't know, like two summers ago and now could speak Spanish a lot better. So yeah, I flew from Santa Cruz to Mexico City maybe the first week of November or the last week of October. And then, uh, yeah, I stayed there for three or four weeks and I went to Chicago to see a friend and then, yeah, I got back last Tuesday and that's uh, and that's, that's the end of the trip
1: so how does it feel to be back home after such a long trip?
2: Yeah, everybody asks me that. No different. I'm waiting for like like the feeling to like hit me or something like that. But I don't know. I don't. Uh, I'm back. Uh, sometimes I feel like it hasn't even been that long since I left. Like nothing's really changed. Yeah, that's and... like the weirdest thing
0: coming home for me. Like both times after big trips is like I've had all these like crazy cool life experiences, and I'm like guys, guys, like. I've done all this cool stuff. Like, why are you guys the same? Like, why is everything the same?
2: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, maybe everybody thinks that everything else is the same and only they've changed or, so I don't know. Like I I wish I had more of a cool, uh, you know, mind blowing description of how changed I feel. But, uh, I mean, I feel more self-confident and obviously I can speak Spanish better. And I feel like traveling gave me a better idea of where I want to move next. But I don't know. It's really not that, that weird being back. I don't know. Maybe Mexico city was a cool place, to go in between like Bolivia and the United States because it's modern and lots of people speak English and there's a subway. Then I was in Chicago, which is very city-fied, you know, more so than Tampa or Atlanta, just like industry everywhere. And, uh, but now, now that I'm back, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I picked up more work at my job and I just kind of, I'm looking for a place. So, but I'm in my parents now. Um, so no, yeah, like I said, I wish I had something more, uh, so, had you more continue, deep, more profound.
1: Continued working for the the company in Austin that you had been last yeah. time we talked. To?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was doing it. I was doing it when you guys called. I'm going to keep doing it afterwards. Yes, and it's an auto insurance company that I underwrite for. And I used to work in the office, and I convinced them to like do let me do a portion of the job when I left the United States, and it's worked out really well.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I can, you'll, uh, con- you'll continue doing that.
2: Yeah, at least for the near future. Last uh, when I the reason I lived in Bogota last year is because there's a big busy season at the job from January to uh, May for I don't know reasons I could explain, but it's uninteresting. And uh, you can work as my point is you can work as much as you want. So I wanted to like get an apartment with good Wi-Fi and like work my butt off for four months and, and get my savings back up. So I'll at least do that through this summer, mm-hmm. um, just because it's good money and it's it's easy and it's there. So yeah, I'll probably continue to do it, probably for a while. I like it and I like that I can maybe do a six month lease here in Tampa and then this summer, you know, I could go on another trip and just take just take my you know, take the laptop with me and, and keep working.
1: So that so your location plan is to kinda stay in Tampa for like half a year and then look for somewhere else to go?
2: Maybe at least little, the plan kind of ends at staying in Tampa for a happier a year because I could be here for a while. I do kind of want to stay in one place for a while. I kind of miss having like a bigger group of friends, seeing what people are doing on Friday nights. Like you don't get any of that while traveling. I mean, you can meet friends, but you don't have you know, like your social life and you bike around and you see people you know. So I kind of want to stay and be more of a normal person for maybe the next whole year. That's just what I feel like. I really the idea of like getting in a backpack and like hostel jumping is little like painful to me right now. So maybe I'll be ready for that later. So yeah, maybe stay in Tampa for a whole year.
0: Were you really ready to come home when you came home?
2: I was really ready to come home like four months before I came home. Okay. Like in the van, like a month into the van, I started to kind of get over things like cook, you know, cooking. You got to, got to jump through some hoops. You got to take out the table. You got to set up the stove. You got to, so it's like you got to set up your kitchen before you cook and cooking's already such a chore. So, I think somewhere during the van, I was like, I'm ready to go home. But I told myself when I left last August, two Augustes ago, that I was like, I'm going to go. I've been telling people the whole time, like, I'm probably going to go home next Christmas. So, for some reason, I just wanted to, uh, even though I'm home before Christmas, but I wanted to stick it out through the whole year. So, yeah, I was ready to come home. The whole time I was in Mexico, I was like, why didn't I just go home? I don't know why I'm in Mexico right now. Um, but I had fun. I'm glad I did it in retrospect. But yeah, I was ready to come home maybe like the last 20% of the whole trip.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, just I feel like too that kind of makes like a difference in terms of what coming home actually feels like.
2: When you like really want to come home, as opposed to you're forced to come home.
0: Yeah, like I know for me coming back from South America, like I was like I could stay here for a couple more months if you know I had the funds and my health insurance wasn't about to expire and that sort of thing. So.
2: And how long were you guys down there?
0: Uh, Six months.
2: Six months. Yeah, I think if you stay – I think sometime in like the next – the, the uh, succeeding six months, you'd be like, okay, I'm over this. I'm ready to go home. Like somewhere around – like right after the year mark, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. At least
2: for me, like I felt like I was – go ahead.
0: I was going to say like you want to catch up with friends and like people are making kind of like these big life jumps that you want to be a part of.
2: and Or just do for yourself, you know? like You can only yeah. – you, know, you start to feel like you're like spinning wheels while you're traveling like it's cool, but I'm not really like building anything. I don't know, you're building these experiences and that's cool, but I don't know, I kind of maybe it's the grass is always greener like now that I'm back in Tampa I'll start to get jealous of my traveling friends again. You know, you just kind of have what's you kind of want what's not in front of you kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's fair for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely like something I can relate to. Yeah. But so you you feel like maybe it just like wasn't quite as fulfilling as it was at the start when you got towards the end.
2: Um, maybe I just think that I was doing all the same things. I just got old. Like I was really tired of going to hostels and like having that same conversation with either a German, a Brit, or a Dane. You know, like likely they're from one of those three countries. Like, where are you from? What do you do? I don't know. Lots of like fleeting friendships. So yeah, definitely less. Fulfilling. but I guess if you just do anything for a while it gets kind of you know it gets kind of old even even no matter how fun it was at first so yeah
0: yeah it's interesting yeah. to think about like getting into too much of a routine while traveling because it's like we've talked about how when you're at home and you never change things up like routines can be really kind of like dangerous for your personal growth, but it's interesting to yeah. think about how you know doing the same thing traveling can also kind of get you to that place as well.
2: Yeah, because it seems so fun when you're like planning a trip. You're like, I'm going to go to all these cool hostels. I'm going to meet these cool international people. And then you do that for a year and it's just like, I don't ever want to go. Right now, I don't ever want to go to a hostel again in my life. Like, I'm sure I'll be down for it later. But yeah, there's just like a, like a big drinking culture there, a big and culture. Well, it depends on where you go. But yeah, so sometimes so it is kind of a – I don't know. Sometimes if you travel for too long, you get bored with it. And I guess it's kind of a dangerous place to be because – you know, everybody like assumes you're living the dream, and it turns out like I was kind of bored towards the end, and I just like wanted to go home and be normal again.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely fair.
1: Yeah, and it gives you like a whole new perspective on being home, because like if you had been home the whole time, you'd probably be like, you know, bored and like, oh, this home thing sucks. Like I want to go to South America, but like now, yeah, you know, this ability to thirty
2: pounds, thirty pounds heavier, and like. <laughs> Still living with my parents. No, yeah, it's definitely good that I uh, I left because now I really I never thought I would have wanted to live in Tampa. This is where I was raised, and now that I've been gone for a while, I'm like, this city has things to offer, and uh, you know, I want to be around my parents a lot more than I used to when I was like moved out. I was like, fuck them, I'm going to Texas. I'm never coming back. <laughs> I'll send a postcard once a decade or something like that. But now, like now that I'm gone, like you learn to appreciate family more. So yeah, I definitely have an appreciation for where I'm from because I was gone and, like, kind of yearned for it for a while. But, yeah, if I had been in Tampa this whole time, oh, my gosh, I would I'd be I'd be such a mess, like, physically, emotionally, economically, everything, or financially. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely – go ahead.
1: I was just going to ask, like, if you, like, have a bit more detail on, like, why, why you think you're in, like, a healthier spot now.
2: Okay, that's interesting. Um well, I think that I feel like I can do more than I felt like I could do before because I was really scared about going on this trip for no reason. Everybody listening should like just go on their trips like nothing bad's going to happen to you. But I was really afraid to go myself. So now that I've like done that, and it's like, hey, I went somewhere where I didn't speak the language, and I figured it out, and I made friends, and I moved around these huge like swaths of land in different areas. So now that I've now that I've done all that, and that's something that, like, not a lot of people are willing to do or even realize that they can do because anybody can do it. But most people I meet, I tell them about, they're like, wow, I could never do that and I could never quit my job and blah, blah, blah. So now that I've done all that and it, like, wasn't that bad at all, it was super easy. That's why i say saying anybody can do it. And so it kind of informs me that these other things that I want to do in my life that seem kind of scary probably also aren't. And you just need to just, start it and just do it and it's probably not going to be that bad like a new career choice or a move to another state or i don't know like talking to that girl over there like anything you know it's probably now that i've overcome that thing that i was so scared of i was such a mess before i left on this trip just like i went on the internet and read all these blogs about like terror stories that happened to people and it wasn't a good idea because i don't know i feel like the worst things crop to the top of the internet so i just think that now i feel like i can do uh you know, do more things that I maybe thought I couldn't do before because I did this trip. That's
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, that's something that I've definitely noticed, especially going to places like Southeast Asia and South America where you get, like, you do get put out of your comfort zone quite a bit more regularly and you get this feeling like, oh, I can really handle whatever is coming my way.
2: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, like just asking, ordering some food is all of a sudden this huge tour when you grow up, you know, it's like, hey, I want a burger and blah, 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 blah. You say it on English. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, all for all of us, you know, like ov- overcoming this trip that you were maybe scared of and then you want to do this other thing in your life and you're like, well, it's probably not going to be that bad because the trip wasn't that bad.
1: Looking back on your trip now, what advice would you give to yourself when you were first about to start out and leave? Like maybe changing your routes, changing your plans or just like kind of life advice?
2: Um, well, this is less profound than, you, than you're hoping for, but I really wish I had had in my backpack smaller packs to put my clothes in, mm-hmm. so you could like take those smaller packs out and then look through your clothes then. Yeah, because it that, always be like one thing I want in my backpack, and it was always undoubted like at the bottom. So I'm, like taking everything out of my backpack, and I get this one thing. And I'm putting it all back in my backpack. So like I said, less profound mm-hmm. than you were hoping. But the first thing off the top of my head is I wish I had had smaller bags within my bag. Yeah,
0: that's so I great could just advice. like
2: there'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, there'd be, like, five of them, and you can just, like, take all five out, get the thing you want, and put all five back in, as opposed to, like, 45 things later. Um, it's so good to separate,
0: differ- like, your dirty clothes, too, you from your clean clothes, because, like, something I didn't realize the first time we traveled, because I didn't have those packs, and the second time I did, is, like, you throw dirty, like, wet, kind of damp clothes on top of your backpack, and then you open it up, and everything stinks.
2: Everything stinks, yeah, and then, you know, like, your backpack stinks, and, like, that stays with the backpack, and yeah. so, yeah, the... The, the separate packs, I really wish I had done. I guess I could have bought them. I don't know. The whole time I was just like, wish I had those. And that was as far as I took it. But as far as different route, I don't think it's anything. I mean, there were some things I did. Like the van ended up not being as much fun as I had hoped. And uh, But I don't know if I do. It all was like an awesome experience. And like I said, I was a little bored at that hotel gig for a little while. but. I don't know. Sometimes I just – when I talk about things, I can focus on the bad things because at the hotel and in the van, tons of awesome things happened. So I don't know. Um, Maybe I should have learned a little more Spanish before I left, but I I speak well now, so it doesn't even really matter. I I can't – honestly, I can't think of anything I would have changed. Like Tons of stupid things happened, but nothing terrible happened. Of course not. I was never robbed or beaten up or – Scammed for tons and tons of money. So no, I don't think there's. I don't think there's really just those little packs in my backpack. That's the only thing. That's wish I had done that. Um, and I wish I. (laughs) Yeah, and like there's. I don't know. There's so many of those stupid blogs that I followed before I left my trip, and none of them brought that up. They brought up like mosquito nets and like I don't know. (laughs) I also wish I had uh, because I mean I had to. When the screen shakes, I'm like shaking my computer to talk about the computer anyway i wish i'd had a smaller like a tablet or somehow to do my work on because this computer was really bulky to carry around and i guess yeah just to not to bring a computer if you don't need it i needed one to make money so the whole time i was wishing i had like like a microsoft surface with us with a little rubber keyboard because this macbook i mean obviously you can't see my computer i can like angle it down (laughs) are you seeing it yeah looks okay (laughs) Yeah, it is dirty. Um, now I'm getting all self-conscious. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm not judging.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wish I'd had less stuff, but really I had less than everyone I met. I had like a 45-liter bag and a small backpack in the front, and I was always getting comments like, oh, that's all you travel with? People have like 65. So I somehow wish I could had could have had less stuff, like pick like three T-shirts, pair of shorts, and a pair of pants and just worn them because – I've read about people that travel with just like a regular backpack with like one pair of clothes somehow they get that done. So maybe less stuff because it was I found it difficult to move around. I felt really exposed with all my like two backpacks on me. But um that's just a minor complaint. I don't really think uh yeah, I don't think there's anything I would have changed in my route or uh or with what I did. I think it all worked out really well to show me you know humbling experiences and less humbling experiences. So yeah, I, I can't think of anything I would have changed around. It, it all worked out really well.
1: And your Spanish has gotten to a pretty good level now.
2: Well, I mean, as I'm sure you know, it just depends on like who you're talking to, what you're talking about, what kind of mood you're in, like how much you want to... So sometimes it works out really well, but still, sometimes in Mexico, I was having conversations with people just not following much, and it was like, Hunter, you've been down here for a year, and you still... So I mean, I think it's just a years-long process about becoming like fluent. Um, I mean, if I really wanted to get good with Spanish and I thought about this, I should have just stayed in one country the whole time, you know, like spent like a year in Mexico because every time you change the Spanish changes a lot Yeah, and sometimes it changes a lot, a lot like into Chile, they have like their own.
0: Yeah. Chilean Spanish. is really hard to understand. It's really hard to speak there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They have like their own different thing. So maybe that's something I could have changed around, but I would rather see a bunch of different places and have my Spanish slightly less than it would have been than just like stay in Mexico the whole time.
1: Yeah. And it's one of the cool things about traveling in South America compared to like Asia or something is that like, yeah, the Spanish does change a little bit, but it's still Spanish. Whereas instead of you're going from like, I don't know, Chinese to like Vietnamese or something like that, if you were trying to travel that region.
2: Yeah. And I mean, there's, Nowhere really else in the world you could travel like a large region and focus on one language unless you were learning English. Like you could travel through Europe and practice your English. Mm-hmm. You know, like Latin America is the only place where you can travel like a really long distance and still, you know, encounter one language the whole time. I yeah. think.
0: Yeah, I don't know where else right. in the
2: world. I guess there's a lot of...
0: I guess like Canada French and the you could travel. Well,
1: so the thing about if you were learning English, like you could go literally anywhere because basically english is still in any hostel like that's the
2: yeah yeah that was my caveat like unless you were learning english then yeah you could go a lot of places but obviously we if you we were learning have that
0: english down. though and you didn't speak it fluently and you also like say you're somewhere like asia and you also don't speak like fluent <coughs> thai vietnamese that sort of thing i think you'd really struggle
2: Wait, where where are you in this uh, example?
0: <laughs>
2: I like it. You both looked at me like I'm it's crazy.
0: Like, so about. say you're, I don't know, <laughs> you're French and you speak no English, and you're like, I'm going to go learn English by going to Asia, but you don't speak any Asian languages either. I think it'd be
2: quite difficult. Oh, uh, yeah, you would. In fact, the only people in South America that I met that spoke no English and no Spanish were the French. Yeah. Always. Oh yeah. Always because French are like French are like maybe like states people like oh just our country and no other country like we don't need to learn English we're French you know. So, and, I'm, and I would meet these people and obviously I couldn't say this to them because we don't share any language. But I'm like, how are you getting around right now? Like you don't speak any English. You don't speak any. You speak even less Spanish. But it's so like I they think I guess, that
0: they speak Spanish because they speak French and they think the languages are close enough, but they're not.
2: Yeah, I mean they're closer than this to English, but it's still not like. Yeah, you're going to hop into it. So yeah, those are the only people. That is a good example because, yeah, you might have a hard time. Yeah, I guess it just depends on how much English you left with because if you left with none and you were like drifting around Asia, I guess if you just planned out where you're going to go. Like I hear like Thais speak a lot of English and the Japanese speak a lot of English. But then if you went to China, like especially rural China, no one's going to speak any English. So. Yeah. so to kind of plan out. Where you're gonna go. I bet you could travel a long time and learn some French. Like there's lots of African countries that speak French. Hmm. Yeah, and three eight three European countries speak French, so or two and a half. You got like Swiss French and France. Oh I guess just two. Okay. Oh no, and then half of half Belgium speaks oh, yeah, French. It's my the,
0: Belgian French speaking.
2: It's half, because you have the Walloons in the south and the Flemish in the north speak Dutch. Hmm. So it's like a little tiny country split in two. But um, I don't know what were we talking about before. That was that was quite a quite a tangent there.
1: Um, so at the start of that tangent, <laughs>
2: <laughs> difficult to say now.
1: Yeah. Oh, so you were talking about yeah your Spanish, how it improved. Um, what do you think? Like, when did you notice you were improving the most? And like, what do you think you were doing at like those times?
2: Um. Hmm. Maybe I had a girlfriend when I lived in Colombia, and she didn't speak much English. Um, we only spoke Spanish, and so I finally noticed myself like just talking and not like getting nervous before I was about to talk, or like thinking about what I was going to say. That's always a bad thing, and it's it's hard to just like start talking because you want to like, okay, this is a sentence I'm going to say. Oh, that's wrong. Let me fix this. Okay, that's the sentence I'm going to say, and then you say it, which. Is good at first, I guess, because you want to think about these rules you've learned, but I think that's like a a next step in language learning where you can just start talking. Like someone says something to you and you don't even think about it. And so when I was hanging out with this girl in Colombia, that was the first time I was doing lots of talking in Spanish throughout a day, as opposed to just like, excuse me, sir, where's the store? Oh, it's over there? Where's this? And you know, very isolated, uh isolated conversations. So that was maybe the first big thing that i that i noticed but i don't know after that it was really gradual and i don't know if I, w- I was ever noticing you know thinking to myself hey hunter your spanish is getting really good it was just very very painfully gradual so um throughout the whole trip it was you know very you know blood sweat and tears slowly this this is like a positive slope slowly going up that's why my hand's doing this but it's like very uh you know like a very uh shallow very shallow slope you know
0: yeah it's so hang out with good. her it's hard too when you get to like Chile too, where you're like, "Oh, I like thought I was getting this language, and now I feel like I don't know anything." At least that's like yeah. was my experience is I was totally finally getting confident speaking Spanish, and then we show up in Chile, and I was like, "Oh, great." <laughs>
2: I think everyone goes through that because I – within like a week, I just was like, I don't need to talk to Chileans anymore. What's the point? Like, I'm not going to understand anything. And like the van morale was bringing me down. I was just like, forget Spanish. I'm just not even going to make any friends in this country. That's like the worst place to go to speak Spanish, yeah. to like learn Spanish at least. Although I hear once you can understand Chileans, you can understand anyone in Latin America because they have the like the harshest way – not the harshest. Well, they wouldn't like that word, but they have the most different Spanish. That's what a lot of people have told me. So I guess if you wanted to – really set your bar high. You could go there and then you could go anywhere and, have, and, and it wouldn't be that bad.
1: Mm-hmm. So did you get end up going – was uh, Santiago the farthest you got south?
2: Yes, that would have been the farthest I got south. And I took a plane from Lima to Santiago and then my friend picked me up there and I left almost immediately. So that was the farthest. Uh, I feel like that's not right. But no, because – Bolivia is going to be way north. Yeah, so that would have been the farthest farthest north I was. I mean, it is now, but in the trip was uh, Mexico City, and then the farthest south was Santiago.
1: Mm-hmm. So you didn't get to, like, Argentina or Patagonia or that neighborhood?
2: I didn't, but, you know, for a state citizen, all those countries down there are really pricey to get into. Bolivia, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Brazil are all about $200 for a state citizen. Whoa. Yeah, which is no, like... it's not 20 bucks or anything. It's also not the end of the world. But so I paid to get into Bolivia after we went and I was going to pay to get into Brazil, but then we didn't. But, um, I think the van was what stopped me from going farther south because he had already spent his whole time coming up from Patagonia and he was headed north. And really by that point, almost the whole trip, I never really cared where I went as long as I was going somewhere that was new and different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did get to go to Patagonia, but I don't think I ever really thought about it. Like, oh, we're just going north again. And like I said, I had jumped all the way from pretty much Quito to Santiago in some buses and planes. So I was ready to head north, and I hadn't seen any of that area.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: hmm Yeah, I think when I started my trip, I was really concerned with, like, going to the most places possible. Something that I learned pretty early on was the longer that I spent in a place, the more I got out of it. So I got I got over that pretty quick, like – you know like I wanted I thought I would go to all the countries in Latin America on my trip but I don't know I just uh every time I spent more than a month in a place which was maybe three or four times those are my all my favorite places Spanish school in Guatemala in Colombia at that hotel in in at Otavalo because you just like really get to know people and you really get to know like the lay of the land around you whereas if like you bounce in for a weekend and stay at a hostel you're going to leave not knowing really that much about the place I mean it's still worth doing but Like, the longer I would stay somewhere, the more, uh, you know, the more I got out of it in the end.
0: Yeah, totally. That's something that I think we've talked about quite a bit because our first backpacking trip through Europe was like very fast. Like, it was like three or four nights, maybe even two sometimes in places. We were constantly moving. And you never really get like a feel for a city in two days because you spent the first day like feeling uncomfortable and not really knowing where you're going. And then the next day is kind of like a little bit less uncomfortable, but it's kind of you know after the first week where you can dig in a little bit more,
2: yeah, yeah, but I mean it, but then if you leave for like a month, you don't wanna spend a month in one place, you wanna to, yeah totally. yeah, you know, so it's difficult to decide what you wanna do, and most of the time people can't leave for a year or six months, so. You, know, you have to jump around to a lot of places just to make the trip seemingly worthwhile. I'm not sure. Maybe you would have a good time spending 3 weeks in one place. But to go all the way to Asia and see one place, I don't know. So, it's difficult to say what's 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 uh, more fulfilling there.
1: Did you find that working at that hotel was helpful for learning Spanish?
2: Oh yeah, because I mean that's uh that that's how you learn. You got to find Find a way to put yourself into a situation where you can't speak English. Because if you can, because if you meet someone that speaks another language, but they speak your language a little better, that's what you're going to speak. Because it's just difficult to speak the other things. So with that girlfriend in Colombia, and then with that Otavalo gig, none of that staff spoke any English. They didn't even seem that interested in learning English. They were all kind of like I said, it was very rural, so they were just kind of poor. And generally, people that have money learn how to speak English because they can. So yeah, that really helped as well because. We had to communicate and they didn't speak any English. And obviously, so my Spanish is better than their English by a long shot. So, yeah, that really helped. And that would be really good advice for anybody trying to learn. Just like find a way, to like put yourself somewhere where you can't speak any English, where it's just not an option, and then stay there. And, uh, you know, eventually, yeah, like I say, you just get more comfortable with just firing things off and not thinking about it. Yeah, we those girls and I laughed all the time. We're really good friends. And, uh, yeah, never, we never spoke any English together.
1: And Otavalo was like a pretty – we went there, I think, and spent one night and checked out the market the next day and then left. But what was it like living there for a month?
2: Um, Well, I lived like two miles outside of the city, so it was in the middle of a dirt road. Um, I had a good time there for a month. Like I said, I learned really uh, – I got really good at entertaining myself, you know, because – There wasn't like a bar that I could go to. I didn't really – there's no guests there. So I had a good time there, but I think I had a good time outside of – it had nothing to do with Otivalo, me having a good time because I really didn't even go to the city that much. I would drive the guests to the market on Saturday mornings, but it had more to do with just like reconnecting with nature a little more, being okay with 72 hours of no internet and just like finding something to do by yourself for the whole day. So I had a really good time there, but not due to Otivalo. But not that it was bad. I just wasn't. It was like four miles outside of the town, so uh, I only went in there when I had to like do stuff for the hotel, like buy groceries and stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool experience to have had.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was it was hard sometimes, but I think it's uh, you, know, you go way outside of your comfort zone. Like, what am I gonna? do? It's like six p.m. I'm gonna go to bed at midnight, and I have this book. You know, like I guess I'll just read it the whole time because there's nobody else here and there's no internet. And sometimes the power goes out and you light some candles. So it was really rural. And I don't know, you're really good at uh, uh, you know, just going with the flow, you know, because you have to. Because um, what else, what am I going to do anyway? So to bring it back, so that situation really helped me learn. Because like I said, I just, uh, I had to speak with those people. They didn't speak, didn't speak any English. So um, that was the only way we could communicate. And that was, that helped me like I said, just get real less self-conscious about it and get real automated. You know, I didn't have to like construct it in my head beforehand. I could just, I didn't have to translate it in my head beforehand. Like they'd say something to me and I would just know what it meant as opposed to be like, that word means that, that word means that. And I'll respond with these words and then do it. I, I, I could, I could get to the point where I didn't have to do that anymore.
0: That's awesome. I'd like to get there.
1: (laughs) And, did your trip change your perspective on what you'd want to do career wise at all?
2: Um, yeah, I totally did. I think that I, Hmm. But I wonder how I can explain how I got to that. I think that, uh, I can't tell. So I don't want to go back into journalism, which is what my career backgrounds. And I have like a new idea of what I think I want to do. But now that I think about it, I'm not sure if the trip showed me that or just like me getting close to my thirties and getting a little older. Cause I really did re- I really realized during my trip like what exactly not what I wanted to do, but what was important to me, like being outside was cool, helping people's cool, and not working in an office and not doing the same thing every day. These are like things that are now i 'm going to work really hard to get to something better these things, but maybe it was just coincidence that I realized that in the last four years because i can 't really attribute anything to the trip that told me that, but undoubtedly they 're related, so i, I can 't say if the trip showed me these things that I want to do and definitely don't or more so don't want to do such as journalism anymore. It could have just happened during that time. Um, It's difficult to say what influenced what there.
1: Yeah. I find it's like one of the nice things with traveling is you kind of get a little bit more space to think. Um, And so it like gives you time to think about or to pay attention to like what really makes you happy versus what doesn't. And, really like learn what those things are because you're not just constantly bombarded with like a whole bunch of items on your to-do list where you're like driving to work, getting to work, dealing with all that stuff, leave work. start thinking about it, wake up next day, repeat weekend, relax.
2: Yeah. Then okay. that's years
1: And you've never thought about it.
2: Yeah. that That's a good point. Cause you know, my country and I'm sure y'all's too, has a real big like rat race kind of culture. Yeah. You know, where you like graduate from high school and you go to college. I think even more so in the States because we don't really travel like Canadians do. Like, because there's no time to. You just like you go to college, then you get a career, then you buy a house, then you have kids and there. Yeah, there's just no time to. Yeah, so maybe that was it. I could, I could step out of that rat race and kind of look at it. And then Latin Americans are also very relaxed about their careers more so, I think, than states, statesians. So, yeah, that is a good point. Just kind of being able to step out of that culture of, succeed, succeed, succeed. And then, yeah, you can kind of just think, okay, I don't like that. And I like that. So I'm going to go towards point B and away from point A. So yeah, Ryan, that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought of, which undoubtedly, yeah, just kind of showed me, uh, you know, what's important to me and like, what's not important to me. Yeah.
1: And it's also, um, traveling is kind of like an exercise in like choosing what you want to do. So like when you're, going through the school system, it's always about like, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's everything's assigned to you. Whereas when you start traveling, you kind of, you have choice of where, what city you want to be going to, what things you want to be doing that day. And so you're kind of practicing making choices, which might help down the road as well.
2: Yeah. That's another good point. Although I think the choices sometimes becomes a ball and chain in itself, you know, sometimes you just kind of want to be told like, like, damn it. I have to decide like what I'm, I got to make my breakfast today and I got to, go buy a hostel again or go rent a hostel and then decide. So but that is a good point that, yeah, you, uh, you're you assigned less and you have to choose, really have to choose everything because no one, you know, if I sat in a hostel for a month trying to decide where to go, no one's going to, yeah,
1: no you know, decide that for
2: that me or for you.
1: Yeah, there are yeah. people like that that you encounter too who are just...
0: They're just like, I don't know where to go. Should I go here or should I go here? I'm like, I don't know. Choose yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it can be difficult. But what yeah. I found is people like really like to talk and really like that they planned out their trips, especially more the European types. So I spent a lot of time just half inviting myself, like meet people that seem pretty cool. I'd hear they were going here the next day and they'd say, hey, can I come? And uh, no one ever was weird about it. They said, sure. So right away, I stopped planning anything. I never really planned any part of my trip. I uh, right from Mexico City. I met some guys that were driving to Oaxaca and did that with them. So I did a lot of mooching on other people's plans. Like mm-hmm. I don't really know where to go, but all these people were talking about this place. So I'm going to meet, you know, a group of Germans that are going there, and sure enough, something like that, something like that would just happen. So I found I didn't have to plan too much because people really like to plan. They like those those books that have you know for every country and they go through them. And I, I let other people do the work for me in that regard. <laughs> it's like outsourcing, and then. Yeah, exactly. Because I just oh, I hate planning. So I just want to kind of go somewhere sometimes, but uh, I get kind of lazy with that aspect. But found that inviting myself and other people's plans works out really well. At least in South America, at least in Latin America, people are generally like, "Sure, more the merrier." Like, you can come, cool.
1: So, do you think as a solo traveler, it's like you usually have to take the initiative about asking and inviting yourself if you want to? Because I know a lot of people go solo traveling, and they're like oh, yeah, I want to look for an opportunity to maybe like meet up with a couple of people and start traveling with them as we go.
2: Uh, Yeah, I think you have to be kind of uh, a little bit forward with it. I think maybe if I had gone in my early 20s, I would have had a hard time with it. But now I'm a little more sure of myself and a little more okay with possibly them saying no and a little – what never actually happened, but – so yeah, and I also think it's uh I hear people talk about <coughs> excuse me, people in the United States and they have a quality of being very upfront and introducing themselves. So sometimes I'd be in a big group of people, like a big group of Germans, and and be like, Okay, I need to say the first thing here or else no one's gonna say anything to me. And they're not unfriendly, it's just maybe more of a slightly closed culture. I'm not sure. So you have to be a yeah, I would say you have to be a, definitely a little bit forward about it, but not that forward. Just make like a you know, kind of an interest that you want to go or just say, can I come? I don't know. It's not, uh, most of the time, you know, the more people that come, it's more fun, but I definitely had to be a little, a little forward about it and, you know, just straight up invite myself sometimes. But, but like I said, it was never a problem, never an issue. And I rarely traveled by myself the whole time. I would follow him with groups. That's how I met Fife. I met him at Spanish school in Guatemala. And, uh, yeah, it was really easy to follow people, but I did have to kind of, you know, prod them a little bit into inviting me.
0: Yeah. It's a cool practice in like becoming vulnerable. Cause I feel like at least for me, like in my teens and early twenties, that's something that, you know, I'd wait for my friends to invite me for dinner. I'd wait for my friends to do this. And now I'm like, Oh, you guys are doing this. Like, is it cool if I join or.
2: Yeah. Cause you might just get disappointed because they might, it might have nothing to do with you. They might just forget to invite you. They might be like, oh, yeah, Amanda, no, Shannon, I don't really want her to come. Like, no one thinks that. They just maybe might forget to invite you. So, yeah, I think it's a cool...
0: Or like, if uh, they are thinking that, it's like by you asking, you're kind of putting them in a place where they kind of either need to explain what they're thinking or they say yes. So.
2: Yeah. And then, yeah, when you're older, you're okay with... You know, maybe they say no, or maybe they're like, "Oh, yeah, it's just kind of us this night." And you're like, "Okay, cool. Well, maybe next time." Mm-hmm. But at least you didn't like sit at home and wonder the whole time, and you know why didn't my friends? It's just more about like going out and getting getting what you want in life, and that's like a small little aspect of that whole theme. Like, if you want to go with these people, just ask them if you can go because it might be cooler if they just invite you, but they might not. So it'd be cooler to actually go than to like be invited, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time again. Okay. No problem guys. And I look forward to listening to it and good luck with everything. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so That's good you, to you too. Bye guys.
0: Bye.
1: Well, I'm sure you enjoyed the interview with Hunter. He's an awesome guy. Um, if you want to check out more about Hunter or read some of his blog, um, we'll have a link to it in the show notes and some photos and some links and some other things on the
0: yeah so check out the website www.theworldwanders.com if you like the episode and you like the podcast uh, give us a like on facebook the world wanders you can always follow us on twitter or reach out if you have any questions comments or feedback we always love to listen or we always love to hear from our listeners
1: yeah and if you want to connect with us facebook is the best place to do because that's where we live
0: on facebook Mm -hmm. i live on planet facebook
1: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase
0: necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.